Good morning, everybody. How you doing? I think it would be great as we've sensed the, uh, both the challenges of our world and the struggles of our world, but also the joy of sharing with our baptismal candidates. What a palpable sense of excitement there was as we watched them profess their faith publicly. Why don't we put our hands together one more time and congratulate them. Great. Well, we are continuing this series that we began last weekend, One People. Last weekend, we were thinking about being a people for God's purposes. And we reflected on the call of Abraham, who was shown where the people should live. And uh, this weekend, we scroll forward five or six hundred years uh, as Moses informs the people how they should live. And we're going to think about being one people who remember who they are. So let's dive in and look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that a man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. And when you've eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands his laws and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Last weekend I introduced the message by sharing with you that I was uh, recently shooting a film in London, a DVD for new Christians, and um, they had some outtakes. I think the theological term is bloopers. And uh, how many know that, as it's me, there were plenty of bloopers to choose from. You, you knew that, didn't you? How many would, would just like to see a couple more before we dive into this? Let's vote. Although, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's disgustingly enthusiastic, frankly. Uh, I, I realise, let me just set this up. There are two things you should remember if you're filming in a busy city like London with a car. Number one, put gas in the car. And secondly, if you forget your lines that you're supposed to deliver to the camera, respond with sophistication and maturity. Uh, You might want to look out for the appalled look on my face as I realise that we've run out of gas. Take a look.
As we go to meet interview... Oh, sorry guys. <laughs> I'm a pretty clever broadcaster, aren't I? How about that? The problems that um, I ran into there are basically because I forgot. I forgot to put gas in the car. Uh, I forgot my lines. I forget all the time. How many of you uh, struggle if you're married? You, you forget where you've left your car keys. Anyone experience that? And I say to my wife, Kay, I, I love her dearly, but I say, I, I've lost my keys. And she always says to me, where did you leave them? <laughs> Duh! If I knew that, I wouldn't... Duh. So what we did... 9.99 on TV, you can, you can get a key ring that responds when you, when you clap. Anyone, anyone know what I'm talking about? And so I now walk around the house clapping. My wife thinks I'm really getting into a private time of worship, you know, but I've just lost the keys. I forgot where they are. They forgot. It's the constant lament of the Old Testament. They just keep forgetting. They forget who God is. And because they forget who God is, they forget who they are, because that's the principle of life. It's true for every person on this planet. If we forget that we were created in the image of God, then we lose sight on the fact of our humanity that is created by design. And, and we lose our identity. At, we lose the foundation of our humanness. These people forgot constantly. Deuteronomy 32, verse 18. Moses says, you deserted the rock who fathered you, you... You forgot the God who gave you birth. Judges chapter 3, verse 7. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God. Psalm 78. They forgot what he had done. The wonders that he had shown them. And there is a particular specific theme in the Old Testament. And that is that there is a zone where we are especially susceptible towards forgetting and spiritual amnesia. Do you know what that zone is? That zone is when things are going good. Because you see, when we're in a crisis, often that's when we cling to God tenaciously and we, we, we need him desperately and urgently. It's when things are going just fine, thank you very much, that we drift, we forget. Look at verse 10 here in this passage. When you've eaten and are satisfied... Praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Hosea the prophet says in, in chapter 13, When I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. Then they forgot me. You see, that's one of the reasons, I believe, why Jesus said things to his disciples and to us like, You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. This is... This is not a greeting card saviour who wants to say nice things to make us feel good. He's, he's affirming our prophetic identity in him. We too can so easily forget. Sometimes we forget for seconds, months, decades. And we make disastrous decisions when we forget God and we forget who we are in God. So let's think about this. If you're following along in the bulletin. Let's consider the powerful things that God did in order to help his people to remember. First of all, first of all, the power of Scripture. The power of Scripture, immersing ourselves in the big story of God. The power of Scripture, immersing ourselves in the big story of God. Look at verse 1. 
Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today, so you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. And then verse 3. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Here is the truth. God wanted his people to be thoroughly immersed in the big story. Isn't it true that children begin their education in terms of life on this planet using, we use the power of stories, the big bad wolf, red riding hood, whoever. All of these stories are there to promote infant imagination. In fact, one educationalist says, if you deprive children of stories, we leave them unscripted and anxious. Because it's by story that they locate themselves in the human reality. I think what that means to us is that we never graduate from the need to really know and immerse ourselves in the story of God. We need to treasure the Bible. We are privileged today to have free access to the Bible, Old Testament and New. I think sometimes we look at the Old Testament almost negatively because we read it back through the book of Romans and we think about being delivered from the curse of the law and we forget that the law was given to the Jewish people as a beautiful gift from God, as the charter of their covenant showing them how to live. It was only when the the legalists, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and others, came in and turned that into something oppressive, that the law was given as a beautiful gift. So we need to treasure the Bible, we need to feed on it, we need to reflect on it, we need to struggle with it. Some of you are uh, kind enough to ask me uh, how uh, our grandson is, is, is getting on. Uh, he's, uh, he's 22 months old. Uh, his name is Stanley. He's named after my dad. And uh, I can see some of you looking at me right now. Here we go. Here we go. The grandfather with seven million photographs. Here we go. Well, he's actually a genius. Um, I'm completely unbiased. He's, uh, we're, we're, we're registering him for medical school shortly. And... Uh, uh, he's really clever at math. Uh, I mean, just, just brilliant. I mean, take a look. I'll prove it to you. <laughs> so I told you. It's brilliant. brilliant. No, he's not. He's not a genius at all. You know what he's doing. He's repeating back the last number or word that he heard Daddy say. Some of you are looking quite disappointed as I share that (laughs) with you. And the danger is that we can do that with faith. Come on, Pastor Jeff, tell us what we believe then. And God doesn't want us to be a people who just copy the last word or rehearse back what we hear, but who wrestle with the truth, who ask questions. To ask questions about your faith is not to be liberal about it, it is to be serious about it. Another way of going deeper in in faith is to perhaps come along to the journey on Wednesday night. Uh, If I'm in town and I can do it, I like to be here. I never fail to be encouraged and strengthened and motivated as Pastors Foth and Coles and and Cunningham are up here. And they're not simply uh, just sharing ideas, but they're interrogating questions and struggling with the truth together. And you might, you might say, I, I just don't do the Wednesday night thing. Well, change the habit of a lifetime. 
I mean, come along because we can grow as we wrestle with Scripture. Maybe a fresh priority to look at Scripture, to feed on it, to respond to it. Secondly, not only did God give Scripture, but he also gave sacrament to the people who so easily forgot. Sacrament, celebrating what God has done and what he will do. Sacrament, celebrating what God has done and what he will do. Verse 2 Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. I am amazed at how creative God was in the Old Testament to keep his people in consciousness of their story. They tasted the story as they ate unleavened bread at the Passover. They scribbled the story on the doorposts of their homes. They wore the story, tying scrolls to their foreheads and the priests with their gowns. They sang and they danced the story. They built monuments to the story. They built the story in their tabernacles and temples and the furniture makers made furniture to represent the story and the jewelers cast stones to represent the story. And they smelled the story in the incense. And then it came to the festivals and the feasts. And they, they didn't just talk about camping out in the wilderness. They lived in tents for seven days so they could smell the air and sense fully what that experience uh, really did feel like. The Passover feast was eaten by a people dressed ready for a journey. They had to have their clothes tucked into their belt, sandals on their feet, a staff in hand. What's going on there? God is providing, if you like, sanctified theatre that they might participate in the story. That's what's happened here today. We didn't just hear words about being washed and cleansed, but what we did is we took a bunch of perfectly nice people and shoved them under the water and pulled them up again. And as we did that, did you sense the joy and the excitement because suddenly the story becomes our story and as we eat bread and as we drink wine, we don't just hear words, but we're participating in the drama. And then it got even heavier than that in the Old Testament. And I risk offending someone here by saying this. But God invented circumcision before he allowed anesthetic to be invented. I, that troubles me. <laughs> I've just got to be honest about that. You know, I... Joshua circumcised all the chaps just before they went into battle. And I think we look at that story as if they all said, huh, what a super idea. Jolly good. May I perhaps be first? I'd have complained. I'd have sent in a communication card. I said, excuse me, this is a stupid, dumb idea. Ridiculous. Crazy. We're all going to limp around the walls of Jericho. And Joshua would have said, we're going to shout at the walls. You bet your life we're going to shout. And I'm in falsetto, I tell you. Can't we just have badges? Honk if you're a happy Hebrew, that'll work. No, no. They had to have the story. Had to have the story. Lived, felt, experienced. That's why we need to pray for the creatives in the church. Because we should be leading the way when it comes to art and theatre and dance and poetry and mime and sculpture and music. 
Sometimes people say to me, well, wait, you know, we just need the word. Where do you get all that creativity in the Bible then? Well, how about this for a start? In the beginning, God created. That's why I thank God for our technical team who work really hard. Many of them volunteers to make all of this happen. And now our sign language volunteers who with such beauty express words to make words accessible to those who otherwise could not receive them. Thank God for the creatives. And God gave that, that gift to his people. Thirdly, God gave reflection. God gave reflection, rehearsing what we've learned on our red letter days. Reflection, rehearsing what we've learned on our red letter days. Look at verse 4. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. That is not a family photograph, by the way. How many of you do this, you forget where you've been? You, you go to the grocery store and you park your car. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? And you come out of the grocery store and you have no clue as to where your car is. Can anyone identify with that? Hey, listen, I have an app. <laughs> an app. That's short for application, dude. I can, go in, I can go to the grocery store this afternoon and I, I bring up my Where's My Car app. And it, by satellite, it plots where on planet Earth I leave my car. And then I, I, I come out of the grocery store and I, I, I go to the app and it says, Let me guide you to your car, oh idiotic person. <laughs> two things, there are two problems about it. Sometimes I, I press the button, or sometimes I forget to press the button so it doesn't work. Sometimes I press the button when I get out of the car and then I put my phone back in the car. <laughs> we forget where we've been. Do you do that? Do I do that? Do we forget the lessons of life that we've already learned and then we keep going through the same old stuff? I've talked about this before. Early one morning, I was awakened by someone slamming into the window of our bedroom. I was freaked out. I do not own a gun. I tried to buy a gun recently and I went to the store and the guy working behind the counter, God bless him, is a Timberline person and he said, he knows me. He said, Pastor Jeff, I beg you. <laughs> I beg you, do not buy a gun. And I took that advice. So I now have an emergency strategy. If I sense there's an intruder in our house, I, I jump out of bed and I run around the house screaming very loudly, <laughs> yelling things like, this body is a weapon. <laughs> That'll freak them out. <laughs> so I heard this thing slam into the window. So I jumped out of bed and yelled something like, I am a cold spring. <laughs> it was a bird. 500 pound bird, I think. It's like turkeys were passing by. And what happens is these birds, they see their reflection in the glass and they think they're seeing an enemy. So they go, Woo, look at that, look at that, look at that. Poof. And this bird, I watched him. 
He just kept coming back for more. He's got a corrugated beak. I'm going out there feeding him Advil. He's Just over and over. Some of you are getting really bored with this, aren't you? You said, all right, we got it, we got it. What's with you? You lost your keys or something? <laughs> and we do that. You know that stuff on the computer? I know I shouldn't look at that, but oh, look at that, look at that. And the end result is never going to change. But we keep coming back for more and headbutting the plate glass. And one of the memory, one of the memory helps that God gave his people was reflection. Are there lessons of life that are already in our histories that we need to recall today so that we don't just keep making same old, same old, same old mistakes. Lastly, fourthly, God gave the call to obedience to his people. Obedience, deciding what to do now as we live by the truth. Obedience, deciding, to do, deciding what to do now as we live by the truth. Verse 6, observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. You see, Faith is not just an intellectual exercise where we grow and acquire more knowledge, but it is as we do it, it's as we live it, that we change and grow. They talk about, athletes talk about muscle memory, don't they? Uh, I am reliably informed that if I would just go to the golf driving range and spend a few years there, that possibly I might graduate from a spasm to a swing, that somehow my muscles would start to learn stuff instinctively. How many of you have ever heard of Chesley Sullenberger III? It's an unusual name, isn't it? And one given three times because he's the third. Here's his picture. Uh, you might remember as you look at his photograph... That's Chesley Sullenberger III. And you know the story, don't you? January the 15th, 2009, flight 1549 took off from LaGuardia, New York. 155 passengers and crew aboard. One minute into the flight, huge bird strike. And uh, Sully, as he came, became known, had seconds to make a decision. And he spoke what some assumed would be his last words to air traffic control. He said, we'll be in the Hudson. They interviewed him afterwards and they said, did you pray? And he said, no, I assumed other people were taking care of that. <laughs> so how did he land that plane in the Hudson? I'll tell you how. Sully has been a pilot for 40 years. So it wasn't some supernatural skill. For 40 years he's flown planes and taken off and landed and perhaps dealt with emergencies and 
gone through simulators and run through different crises, Sully, over 40 years, developed the instinctive skills to react to that situation. That's a portrait of Christian discipleship. Christian discipleship is not suddenly making a crisis decision in a moral dilemma. Christian discipleship is about making a thousand and one small good decisions that day by day means that we are being changed and transformed by the work of the Spirit and the power of the Word in our lives so that when the big crisis hits, we don't even have to really think about it. We just instinctively do what is right, not because we just behave well, but because we are changed people. Transformed progressively by God. And that's exactly... Uh, That's an example, really, uh, obviously in a different context. Forty years of preparation prepared him for that one moment. One person has said, one writer has said, the moral life should not be experienced. There's an agony of impossible choices. It should be a matter of habit and instinct. Learning to live well is about developing the right instincts and habits. The theologians call it virtue ethics. It's our ethics that flow from the virtue that is progressively developed in our character. We will never remember unless we employ the muscle memory of obedience. And don't we know this to be the truth? I discover if I know the truth and disobey it, I experience an emotional and spiritual schizophrenia, a dividing of myself, Because I know this is not the way I'm called to live. May we be people who not just today, but this week, in this life, we remember. Let's pray together, shall we? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the incredible patience that you showed with your people. And for that matter, the patience that you show to us, for they forgot and we do too. We're conscious of being reminded as we joined in the drama of baptism. And when we share communion, we hear those words, do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget. We pray that you'll help us to be people of Scripture. Help us to commit ourselves afresh to wrestle with, to know, to read, to feed on your word. Not just because good Christians pray and read the Bible, but so that our minds and our lives might be shaped by the story. Thank you for the creativity that you gave in sacrament. Thank you for the joy that we experienced today as we shared in the baptism of our dear brothers and sisters. We pray for the creatives in this congregation and we thank you for their gifts. And we pray that we might be a people who find ways to express the texture and the colour as we sing, as we worship, as we remind each other of the truth about God and the truth about us. We pray, Lord, for those who are flying at windows with the same repeated pain. 
We pray for us, Lord, that we will be people who reflect and who don't have to go through the same old, same old over and over again to our pain and to your pain too. Let's just pause for a moment with our heads bowed. I wonder how many of us would say, you know what, that really does speak to me. I need to acknowledge to God that I keep flying at the same old stuff and I want that pattern to be broken. I want to learn. I want to move on. If that's true for you, wherever you are, would you just slip your hand up for a moment, please, as an acknowledgement to say, God, help me, strengthen me. I'm not by myself. I want you in this with me. Thank you, wherever you are in this auditorium in the south, you can put your hands down. We pray, Lord, that you will help us to be people who obey you. Save us from Christian theory. But as we live it out, as we walk in your ways, change us. We are not in the business of self-improvement. We are, Lord, wanting you to work in and through us so that in cooperation with you, we ourselves are then improved. More than that, we become like Jesus. So help us to obey you when we don't want to, when it doesn't feel good. Help us to do that which is right that we might be changed and might be able to land the plane in the Hudson because of all that we have learned through the years. So we give you thanks and praise for your goodness. And we offer these prayers gratefully in Jesus' name. Amen. So Lord, with those words ringing in our hearts, We go into a new week. Thank you that you go with us. Help us to remember. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Great to see you. Our prayer team are here at the front in the South Auditorium as well. If we can pray with you, we would love to. Stop by the tables in the mall as well. Have a great weekend.